0: Welcome to People's Church Podcast. Of course, a blessed day to all of you mothers, and uh, we're going to talk about roles today, especially focusing on uh, the mother's role. Whether you're in a time right now where you're seeing a season of good fruit, things you've always wanted to see in your children... And, uh, or whether you're in sort of the seed stage and a season when the fruit's not above ground, it's not mature, it's not what you're looking for, but you're in a waiting season. Your role is absolutely, incredibly imperative to what your children become. This song was a reverse. It was saying, it's in their eyes that I see a person I want to continue to become. But your children is the persons that they will become, largely because of your stewardship and largely because of the things we're going to talk about today. You know, roles today, and this is a role in life, motherhood. It's a unique role granted to you as a woman. And uh, of course, there's fatherhood, another unique role. These roles in life are extremely important, and we need to see them incorrectly in their origin. These are God's design. This is not man coming up with an idea, or the biology just emerging somehow accidentally, and then somehow you know out of that a role is developed. No, rather the role was assigned before the world began, because we know that every person has been in the mind of God before they ever came upon this planet, and so the role of motherhood, fatherhood, today motherhood is something that has been eternal in God. It is rooted in God. Today, a lot of roles that are, we would say, bastions of the design of God have been under threat, and they have been under redefinition, and there's a lot of pressure upon roles to be something different other than the original design of God. That begins with a struggle within many of you as women in the role of mother in how do I fulfill all of these expectations that are upon me. I think when it's really important if we start from the original design of motherhood, which definitely begins with God, that in God you will find simplicity for the role. You do not have the absolute control of it. You do not control every outcome. You don't have the capacities for those things. But what you have the capacity to do is to be the heart and the wisdom of God in the nurture of your children. So today, we want to reinforce a few things for you. It takes a lot of strength to fulfill these roles at any day and age. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of, 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 we would say, fortitude to be what God has intended you to be. I've entitled this one, Just Joy Beyond Circumstances. Because oftentimes, circumstances, when we carry out roles husband, wife, father, mother when we carry out roles in life, circumstances often are not supportive to joy. In fact, you better be prepared to, when you fulfill roles, to have your heart broken. It will be stretched. It will be stomped on. Your heart is going to experience a lot of pain in carrying out a role, And that's because, in essence, let me put it very simply, as a mother, you're raising little sinners. (laughs) And you are married to a bigger one. (laughs) That was a little too loud, ladies. All right. Um you are raising children that really have what we call a fallen nature, the desire, the self-centered, the core, that begins to drive their lives to what they want. And that means that you are gonna, at first, be the only restraint in there. The restraint to say no, to say yes, to say wait. You are the only restraint that is going to be there. And that can be a lot of energy just poured out because you feel like you're constantly just like herding cats and just what it can feel like. And you're putting into it everything that you can and you're just not seeing the fruit that you want all of the time. So joy, if you have it attached to circumstances, is probably drained pretty low in the role. People get really drained in roles. When we have to go through a long time seasons. Where it's not really working out the way we thought. I remember a lady in this church. She's now passed on. She lived into her 90s. She was a remarkable lady. Came over here. Was one of the earlier pioneers in the area. And I just really appreciated this lady. Because she had such amazing endurance. And uh, what I considered high patience. And she uh, ended up with her daughter had... Died of cancer. The husband um, had alcohol issues, was an alcoholic. There were two girls. Those two girls came to live with her from a pretty young age. And she raised those girls in her retirement type years. We're talking about somebody who worked full time, raised two girls at an age where this is not going to be part of the plan. What an amazing woman she was in the way that she had this energy and strength. And then I began to think about her a little more deeply in this regard. She was a person of joy. She took joy in life no matter what seemed to come her way. You know the Lord says, and speaks in the book of Nehemiah, he says to us that the joy of the Lord is your strength. I mean, when you are filled with joy, and joy is not happiness. Happiness is sort of something after the matter. Joy leads, happiness follows. You get that? Happiness follows, joy leads. So, it wasn't about being happy. It's about being joyful, which includes, yes, aspects of happiness not being circumstantial, but it also includes things like bigger words, like the idea of patience and endurance. Joy. There's strength in joy. And when our roles drag us down, we lose strength to carry out the very important roles that we have. If, if you accept the biblical statement that this is in origin from God that you are a mother, then you are also in a spiritual warfare as a mother. You are, have resistance beyond just the child's nature. You have things that are much bigger and stronger than that against you. Constantly looking to undermine your confidence, increase your insecurity, increase your resentments, uh, begin to develop in you things that rob and steal your joy. That's what he intends to do. He's a robber, he's a thief, he's a stealer. And that's what he wants to do in moms. And so oftentimes we get, so our tanks are empty, we can't respond. So how do we get joy beyond circumstances? We're going to look at three women from the scriptures. Um, they shared different slices of the motherhood uh, role and uh, around, around babies. And so we want to take a look at that today. The first one is Elizabeth. Elizabeth is uh, the mother of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, uh, Jesus said, is the greatest man that ever lived. That was Jesus' own words about John the Baptist. And, and Elizabeth had been the, mo- the mother that was chosen for that case. In her story... She's now aged, this is just such a biblical narrative. Over again, we've got Sarah in the Old Testament, old. And then Isaac is born in the miracle way. And now we have with Elizabeth, she's well past childbearing years, and she has dealt with the shame in that culture of not having a baby in her arms and being able to fill the cradle in the home. And so Elizabeth has gone through all of those things, and still there's been a dream alive in her and a desire that God kept alive with her. They were great people of faith. Her husband, Zechariah, was a priest in the temple, and he had his time to serve, and it was during that time that he had an angelic visit that said, Zechariah, this is what's gonna happen. Your wife, Elizabeth, is gonna have a child, and that child is gonna be the forerunner of the Messiah. Zechariah had a little trouble with the story so God took his words away from him until John was born Elizabeth herself it says of this in fact both of them Luke 1 6 look at this scripture both of them were righteous in the sight of God observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly these were the salt of the earth there was no reason in their life for God's blessing not to be upon them. They, they were just strong people. But the first thing that you need, and she demonstrates, is we need to have obedience in the gaps of life. In life, you're going to have always gaps to your plans, your dreams, your vision, Anything that you're building or things that you're moving forward, it never goes left to right like this. There's going to be gaps in there that don't work, that don't fit, that you don't like. You never saw it coming. You wish it hadn't come, but it did come. And how you respond to that is, is very, very critical. Now these are great people of faith, and Elizabeth was a great woman of faith. She had kind of gotten to the end of any possibility of childbearing, she had dealt with all, those, all of those negative, you know, reverberations around her community about not filling the cradle. But gaps in her plans did not become the fuel for bitterness. There's always gaps. Nothing in this world is perfect other than God who made this place. And every plan you've got and every dream that all of a sudden seems to even be emerging or is got gaps. You know your gaps. You had a dream. You had a dream for this kind of relationship. you got gaps. You had a dream for being a mother. You've got gaps. There are so many ladies that, you know, they've had that dream of motherhood and yet not been able to fill the cradle. And that's a gap. How you deal with those gaps is incredibly important. In life. So you need to have an obedience in the gaps. And their obedience, as they were living out a very big gap, no child, old, had kind of, that was a historical kind of dream. They didn't fill it with resentment or bitterness. Your response to gaps is so easily becoming the fuel for resentments and bitterness. And when that happens, then the heart loses joy because joy and bitterness cannot exist together. Some of you have filled the cradle quite ably, but there's been gaps, It didn't work out the way you thought it would. It's now become a lot of heartbreak. It's now become a lot of frustration. It's now a lot of tiredness. How you respond to gaps is crucial. Why obedience? Why that word? Because ultimately, we, when we practice obedience, are practicing the highest form of trusting God. Because when we obey, when we don't get it the way we want it, we are trusting his hand and his heart. We are trusting his leadership in our life. In the gaps, this looks like obedience. I'm going to invite, We're going to have a few uh, here today as a part of this message. Uh, Angela's going to come and share this part. She's our children's pastor. Angela.
1: Thanks, Nelson. So this morning I get to come up and be a real Debbie Downer and talk to you about joy killers. And this one is actually really near and dear to my heart because it's a world that I've lived in for a long time. I think I've made some growth in it. I think I'm recovering uh, through it. Um, But this joy killer comes by the name of perfectionism, and I think a lot of you are going to relate to this. So it's Mother's Day, so there's an obvious connection here between perfectionism and the pressure that many of us moms feel to have a Pinterest-worthy home, an Instagram-worthy look, to make sure everyone knows our kids love organic kale and carrots, and we take them to the library and the gallery, and they have a natural love of reading, and that's just our kids, that's just our family. So I, I, it's kind of an exaggeration, but it's not too far from the pressure that many of us moms feel to come across as something that we're not. Now, it's important right now to differentiate that God has actually hardwired us for excellence. And so perfectionism is not the same thing. It's great to set high goals and learn and work hard and achieve them and reach excellence. That's good, that's how God's made us. But perfectionism is setting unattainable goals that we can never reach and then applying so much pressure there that there's a huge fallout for us, often catastrophe. So perfectionism can be a distraction. Uh, It can be a justification for procrastination, an excuse for not getting things done. Perfectionists are much less likely to take risks because they're afraid of failure, and yet the willingness to take risks is an essential characteristic for high achievers, which is often how we want to come across. Um, It's a refusal to accept reality, and it's rooted in fear, and it's usually triggered by our insecurities. So perfectionists can be sort of divided into three categories. We've got self-oriented perfectionism. So this is unrealistic expectations that we put on ourselves. You may battle with feelings of guilt because you can't quite live up to these expectations. You might obsess over every little detail to the point that you're inefficient or unproductive. You feel a deep sense of inadequacy that somehow you cannot live up to your own expectations. Then there's externally oriented perfectionism, so that is where you believe that others have impossible standards that you just can't live up to, and you might even make self-deprecating jokes to sort of cover up those insecure areas You often feel alone or depressed because no matter what, you just don't think you can live up to what others want of you or expect of you. And then lastly, there's others-oriented perfectionism. So that is where you put these unrealistic expectations on other people. You might use abrasive language to talk about their flaws. Many of you may have been parented by someone with this or you yourself might parent like this. So we should all kind of be able to pick out something in one of those categories that somewhere in our life we can relate to. For me, it's a little bit of each of them. And if you can't relate to any of it, you're a liar. Get out of here. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just listen, bear with me. So perfectionism, we actually use it for a mask to cover up our insecurities often. And uh, we just kind of want either God, ourselves, or other people to see us in a certain way. So there's a spiritual aspect to this as well as a psychological aspect to this. I didn't have to go very far in the Bible to find a great example of this. In fact, right in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, we find Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden just living carefree before God. They're just frolicking, there's no shame, there's no guilt, there's no sin until there is, until sin enters in, and immediately they go to find a covering, a way to cover up their insecurities and their shame, to be presented to each other and to God in a way that they think God wants to see them. I think we can all relate to doing that. So what do we do with this? Well, we're going to focus on two areas. There's more, but I don't have a lot of time. So, two main areas of growth to kind of grow through this. Uh, First, we're going to look at what God has to say about this, and that's the most important area. So, in Romans 3.20, we read, "'For no one can be made right with God by doing what the law commands.'" The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So good news. That's what it's there for. You can't do it, and it's going to show you how bad you are. But Romans 3.21 goes on to say, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writing of Moses and the prophets long ago. So God's got a plan as we knew He would. Romans 3.22 We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. So that's it. So we're going to unpack that. The law, which was given to us, God has perfect standards. He can't lower them. That's the law. But he knew we couldn't fulfill it. And so he gave us Jesus. And through what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, when we choose to believe and receive that and have faith in that, it places us in a perfect positioning before God. So it's not Jesus plus your perfectly mowed grass or Jesus plus your work accolades or Jesus plus 10 days with no swear words. It's Jesus plus nothing that puts you in perfect position before God. And when you know that, when you can let it settle in your heart, when there's a connection between your head and your heart where it really sinks in, You can settle down, you know that's taken care of. There's no performance necessary. Your creator knew and he loves you and he's got it covered. Secondly, there's the habit of perfectionism. And while habits are not easily broken, the mechanics of it is actually pretty easy to apply. So in order to break this habit of perfectionism, you actually need to, hear me, be willing to make mistakes. Understand that that that's just what we're all doing out here. We're making mistakes. We're learning and doing better. We're getting back up and moving on and then making mistakes again. I'm not saying it's easy, but God has called you into a life of amazing adventure and risk. And when we use this perfectionistic cover because we think no one expects us to make mistakes or what's going to happen when we make mistakes— We're missing out on so much goodness, so much of what he has for you, and it is good. So if you can get up each day and just really allow that connection to happen where you believe and you know and you know and you know that Jesus has already settled your position before God, and be okay, be willing to take risks and make mistakes in order to answer the call that God has on your life this is going to work itself out. You'll be surprised how quickly that cycle breaks. So if you think about this like a baby, for anyone who's parents here, when your little one was learning to walk and they got the little drunk walk and their legs are all wobbly and they take one step and they kind of fall, you don't walk over to the baby and say, you stupid baby, why didn't you walk better? I'm going to trade you in for one that already knows how to walk. That's not what you did. We don't do that. We're good parents, hopefully, but God is perfect. He's the perfect parent. He scoops you up, and He hugs you, and He comforts you, just like you did with your baby, and says, hey, it's okay. I love you. It's all good. And then you plop that baby back down, and it takes a little step, and you celebrate the step, because that's what we do. And that's what our perfectly, perfect Heavenly Father does with us. When we make mistakes, He, he, he was expecting it. He knows. He's going to comfort you. And then he's going to say, let's try this again. Let's move on. So that's what I have to say this morning. I'm going to get Pastor Nelson to come up and do the next part. Thank you.
0: So perfectionism is something that's going to take those gaps and make it just an attack zone on yourself. And that's what happens in a lot of roles, no matter what role you want to apply this to but certainly in mothering. And you can sit back and watch where somebody has put such pressure upon themselves as to open up wounds and to create things that fester. And those things are only found in the, the solutions for those things are found in your obedience to God by choosing to live by His grace and to let Him develop you. That's how you begin to move on from those things. You certainly will have these gaps You all have perfectionistic tendencies and you have to be living a little different than just perfectionism. So no bitterness allowed. Acceptance. Obey the Lord. It's his plan. Trust him. Second woman we want to look at is a woman by the name of Mary. Uh, You know her well. Young lady. You wouldn't think of her as being 20 or 21, more than likely around 15, 14, maybe 16, just a very young lady. She's got her dreams, plans are underway, things are moving as they normally should in her world. How should they move in her world? Very simply this, she's being raised in her village, she knows she's gonna marry someday, and she's gonna love the man, and he's gonna love her, and they're gonna build a family, and business, and same thing that drives everybody today. It's the same thing that everybody's out doing today, and that's what her dreams consisted of, and so all of her actions were going that way. The second thing that you have to make sure to protect joy in your life is not just the obedience and the gaps to the Lord. There needs to be surrender of her dreams. This is what Mary did surrender of her dreams so that she might live out God's. You can't live out both. Oftentimes that's the key in roles. Why roles and dreams, they just go together. When you have a role, dreams are a large part of role fulfilling. You have the role that you want to be this and uh, this, this kind of a husband or this kind of a wife or this kind of a, of a mother or this kind of a father and in those roles are dreams just like there were in her heart. She had the angelic visit. You know that she was gonna have an abrupt change of plans. Not a lot of people love plans that change, especially when these plans are big plans and really attached to their dreams because dreams are so precious to us that we often don't let go of what we want too easily. We hang on tightly. That's a credit to this young lady. Luke one thirty eight, the angel, or her response to the angel is, I am the Lord's servant. That's a positional response. She's saying, I have already predetermined, like my life is to serve God number one. It's number one. That's very important in roles, that you understand that you serve God first in all things. And then your roles come into the proper alignment with God's plan and purpose for your life. I am the Lord's servant, she answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. I accept with the faith I have the plan that God has. And then the angel left her. Complete change of her plans did not give fear control in her life. What fear wants to do is keep you only bought into your own dreams. That you serve your role first before you serve your God. You serve your role as being that professional or that business person or whatever, wherever your dreams are anchored the most. And when we serve that most rather than God first, we end up in a situation where fear is going to be very strong in our life when change comes. And this, I guarantee you, change will come. In major areas of life, it will come. So Mary she had to figure out who's gonna be in control in her life She had to make a decision about this and that's what the surrender point was all around Does she surrender? the thing that anchors her dream so strongly a husband a family the business the village My gosh, you know what shame she would have gone through But she chose to surrender, to surrender her dreams so she could live out God's. That will bring more peace to you. Our next speaker that's going to join me is Jody Reynolds. She has uh, led our youth department for different years. She has been involved in young adults and college and career, those kinds of things. She's done a, a lot of work around here with people, many of you. And so on. So Jody, come and talk to us.
2: Thank you, Nelson. So I get the honor of talking about what we can and what we cannot control. And so I love this one because there is lot of me that loves to control things. And I love, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist and I like things to look really great. So it is one of these things that I'm like, I want, I want to talk about that one. And so John Maxwell has an amazing quote and it's why worry about things you can't control when you can keep yourself busy controlling the things that that depend on you. So there's so much. It's like, what what are we controlling as parents, and what are we, should we let go? And there's a lot that we can control because our children depend on us. And there's so many different stages in this, and we're going to go through that. So what, what what do they depend on? Well, they depend on the environment that we place them in. They depend on their safety, as best as we can, and we depend, they depend on us controlling our Christian values in the home. That's huge, and you know, health and love and spending time with them, these are things that we can control. I can go on and on, but my adult children think that I am a bit of a control freak as far as um, protective. I guess they use the word protective. And uh, I was just talking to my son and he was joking to me that uh, mom, our doors were always locked in the house. And it's like, that's just normal. If I'm downstairs, I don't want some somebody walking into my house. I just don't want to think about it. So, to me, that sounds normal to him. It sounds overprotective. You know, and my daughter, when she drives, she's been away from Grand Prairie for quite a while, and she has, I don't know if you guys have this app, it's called Find My Friends. So, where you, you, you know, I can literally right now pull out my cell phone and know where she is. She's going to be in Kelowna right now visiting. So, and I can see when she goes to the store. I, You know, I'm not protective at all. <laughs> so I. I'm not. I I deny that. No, I'm just kidding. So sometimes when she drives to Grand Prairie and I'm looking at my app, and I'm like, how come she hasn't moved? Well, it says I just looked two minutes ago. So understand, I don't always get the control thing right. I wanted to tell you guys that I I, I don't always get this right. And I love this quote, and this quote I'm going to repeat a few times. I want you to hear this. It's not a parent's job to shape like potter's but to guide like shepherds. I love this quote. So this is a control statement. This is is a control statement. So it's not my job. That's not my job. What is my job as a shepherd? And I'm not going to go into that. I want you guys to really, as a parent, look this up. What does a shepherd do? So I'm going to tell you a story as I was sitting and praying about this and how I was going to, and I'm a bit of a storyteller, a bit of a talker, if you know me, and uh, so I'm going to talk about my son, and I got permission from him to talk about him. And my son, when he was younger, he had a lot of night fear. He, uh, between the ages of, well, grades two to four, and he was, he got it in his head that somehow, if he thought something bad, that God would be mad at him and that he wouldn't go to heaven. And it didn't, you know, we prayed over him and I would go and lay in bed with him each night and, and talk to him about it and teach him truth. But he just had this fear and it was just something he had to work through with God. And so um, in grade four, there was a, a kid's camp. And so he went out the first night and he's gone to camp before, never had a problem. I got a phone call after midnight and the, and the kid's pastor saying, Blake's not doing well. You gotta come get him, and I'm like, okay. I remember the drive out there. I remember um, thinking to myself, uh, "What if he's not ready? Lord, what do I do with this? What do I do with this?" And then. So Jesus, I had this conversation, and sometimes it's really nice to take a moment, and that drive out there gave me like a hot second to just go, God, I'm not gonna I'm gonna go into my I'm gonna go and protect my son and I know he's going through this and it's been really hard. And 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 Jesus was talking to me and he's like, Jody, you've done your job. Let me do mine. Trust me. So I'm driving out there. And I'm thinking the environment is safe. I trust the leaders. The values are in line with my values. There's no better place for him. And I should not control this moment. So I got there, got out of my vehicle by then. It was really late, those poor leaders. And so I get in there and I give them a big hug and a big kiss and I said, I'm gonna leave you here. And boy, wasn't he shocked, right? He's like, what? But, and and was that easy? That was not easy, but it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do because it's not about me being a molder of my child. I'm not the potter. So, I would love to tell you that those nights were wonderful out there because the Holy Spirit came and came into my son and made him all, it wasn't easy. He had some rough nights out there, but you know what? The Holy Spirit did work on my son. He did work, and he came home praising God, and it was a good decision to leave him out there. So now what if I didn't do that? I'm going to take and flip this. What if I went out there like a mama bear because mama bear wants to protect her baby? And you know what? I'm going to repeat it. It's not a parent's job to shape like potters, but to guide like shepherds. If I took him home that night, it would have changed my role as a mother. My son now has been given the power to control situations. When he's challenged, or when it's too hard, I'm going to come save him, I'm going to swoop in and I'm going to save him. And that's wrong. Because he didn't, he would not be given a chance to grow, and he would have had been in. There would have been an immaturity that would have started building there. And all of a sudden, there is something there that just depends on me and there's this, that is wrong. Because I'm a shepherd, I'm not the molder. As they get older, it changes because they've matured and they don't need, you don't need to control as much. And oh my goodness, I have to just shut my mouth sometimes. Because again, I have adult children and it's like they're talking to me and I'm like, I don't agree, I don't agree. And I'm just like sitting there going, can I say something, no, okay. So then you just pray about it. And you're like, you know what, because they're adults and my role changes. A 25-year-old, my my son is 25, you see him up on stage, he doesn't want to be treated like a five-year-old. And a 15-year-old should not be treated like a 30-year-old. There is rules and regulations in this home and we serve the Lord. The 15-year-old or the 12-year-old or the 10-year-old should not have control of that home. And this is hard, you guys, because we give up that role as a parent. And I want, to under, I want you guys to hear the joy in this, because this sounds like this is hard, and it is, and I'm not telling you I've done it perfectly. It is always because I've partnered with the, my Lord Jesus Christ, and He's helped me when I've asked Him, when I've asked for that help. In all of this parenting stuff with, with, with control, there, there is amazing joy. It's not a parent's job to guide like potters, but to guide like shepherds. I want to tell you where I got that quote. When I was talking to my son about it this week and just getting permission, Uh, he's sitting there and he's listening to me and he, he quoted me this. In his travels, in the time that he's listened to God and he didn't even have to look it up. And he just gave me this amazing wisdom and this amazing morsel that I'm just like... There's joy in that. I had nothing to do with that. I had lots to do with that, but I had nothing to do with that quote. I had nothing to do with him wanting and knowing that he can move forward because I knew when to back away from my control and let God take over. So the greatest joy for me is seeing what the potter, my Lord Jesus, does in the lives of my children. My job as a mother is not done, it's just different from when they were young. And I'm loving every minute of it. Thank you.
0: The third lady to finish off today is Anna, a name that you might not be familiar with. She was the prophetess in the temple when Jesus was dedicated. Uh, There was this 84-year-old lady. What a story she had. What an incredible life she had lived. In Luke 2, 36 to 38, it says, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had been married for seven years, and then her husband passed away. She never remarried. Don't know, don't understand all the reasons why, you know, things happen in life, but in her case, she didn't. She never ever bore a child, but she was there to welcome the child that would save us all. She was at the temple when he was being, had been circumcised and dedicated and led a praise service literally of the praise of this child god in the flesh this lady was really quite incredible her whole life she spent serving god at the temple counseling doing whatever she could teaching encouraging speaking god's comfort and words and strength into other people's lives and then on that day, God preserved her life until well-aged, especially for those times. And there in that age, she got to place her eyes upon Jesus and appraise him in person. You know, though things happened to her that she could not control, she became the messenger of this message, God is in control. Ultimately, that is the bastion of Christian faith, that God is always in control and he's never out of control. And though our lives experience things that seem to indicate that things are pretty wild and out of control, and our families go through the ripping and tearing that can happen, and we experience a lot of the heartbreak of fulfilling roles of great service and love like mother's. And you don't really see all the fruit you expected to see. And the dreams don't turn out the way you expected them to all turn out. Here is the underlying basis of joy for you. Because you need joy for strength. God is in control. Your child might be wandering from God right now. Maybe they were raised in the faith, but I want to tell you, God is in control. Maybe your child has never, ever made a commitment to Christ in their life. God is in control. Maybe your child has made some choices now that they have grown, and they are in a world that is not good, and and, and they are being damaged, and even being destroyers maybe themselves. I want to tell you that God is in control. You are not just mother when things are under your control. The most difficult point of carrying out this role is when things are out of your control, which, by the way, is most of the time. But your joy is founded that God is in control, He knows the path of that child he knows the path your son is taking your daughter is taking he knows the battle that you are in as a mother and what you're fighting for Maybe you're fighting for their health. Maybe there's sickness and you're fighting for their health. Or maybe you're fighting for, you know, their their emotional state. Maybe you're fighting for their education. Maybe you're fighting for, when it comes to them, moral choices. Maybe you're really fighting for them because you see these destructive patterns and you're just in there and fighting. And I want to tell you to keep fighting because ultimately God is in control. If you're in control, God can't do his work. Jody brought that out very well. There's a point at which how you release your children so that you can nurture them correctly through all seasons is when you step out of the control. And you just let God and you do what He tells you. You can hear His wisdom, you apply it, you walk through it because he gave you as a gift to them not so that you could control them but so that you could help lead them and speak grace and represent God there's joy when you really believe he is in control that's how you beat joy being destroyed by circumstances let's stand together You may be a mother here today that is just going through it right now. Our hearts go out to you. Every one of us know what it's like in these roles that we have to go through great times of pain and times when you just have to just be so, you just don't know what to do anymore. You just don't know how to handle or maybe you're just kind of worn out and life has really taken a lot from you in these roles. Just in this moment, I want you just to really listen to this. God is in control. You can let him nurture you. And you need that today. Now this isn't just for ladies, this can be for us guys that are fathers, husbands, wives, roles. God is in control. So what do you wanna do? What Mary did. Surrender to him. Obey what he tells you to do. Even if it doesn't fit well with your plan or your agenda. Ultimately. You need to trust him. Father you know each and every heart here today. And you know Lord Jesus that you've assigned these roles from the beginning of the world. These things are not by accident. These roles are things that you have hardwired us for. Children need mothers. Father, I thank you for all the mothers in this room. They may have been struggling a lot with their own insecurity, lack of confidence, a season of shame. Uh, they might be struggling, Lord, with where their kids are at and they're confused. And Lord, there's so much where our hearts take such a beating as we learn to love And walk in love and I pray in Jesus name that you will bring the comfort of this knowledge that you truly are in control we don't have to be the perfect mother the perfect father in fact we cannot be but what we can be Lord is people that just trust you so I pray your blessing upon them today With every head bowed, if you're here today, and you've never received Christ as your Savior. It was already laid out very clearly today. The great grace of God that comes to us in our sin. He not only brings you mercy and cleanses your life, he wants to bring you strength and joy. He wants to replenish your soul. He, in fact, invites us to come to him so our souls can be well-fed and fat in him. I would encourage you to make a choice for Jesus today. Step out of the control zone. Give him your life. And in giving him your life, you can start to have joy rather than be ruled by circumstances that you have no power over. Here's a little prayer. To receive Christ is a step of faith. It just means you just call on him and believe in him. And you can pray this in the quietness of your own heart. You say, Father, there's so much of times in life that I do feel like I fail. I try to hit marks and I know I don't hit them and then I might make up excuses and so on. Father, I really do need joy. And so I want to receive Jesus Christ as my savior and turn my life over. Jesus, I give you control of my sins. I trust you with the mercy and the grace and forgiveness. Jesus, I give you control of my present world and my future because I want to surrender to you and I want to live a life of obeying the great wisdoms and truths that you have. And I want to refocus on the big picture in life like Anna did. You have a big picture for me. I don't want to miss it. I receive you now. For those of us that have long walked with the Lord and you're a Christian today, make sure that your life is refocused on the big picture. And where you need to surrender so that joy can again fill your soul. Do it. And give up on perfectionism. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for
1: listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at
0: peopleschurch.com gp.com